Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is your host, Jira Taylor. And today I'm talking to James Schramko, the founder of Superfast Business. He's an entrepreneur and internet marketing uh, mentor and authority. And James and I uh, went on a surf trip, a flow state adventure retreat where we went to the Maldives and we went surfing together with a whole bunch of um, like-minded people who wanted to explore peak states and uh, also network and talk about business. And uh, James came along to that and provided great value and uh, really helped people understand the transition from moving from uh, working for somebody, being uh, employed by somebody, to creating a life of greater freedom and autonomy uh, by becoming your own boss, uh, become, by becoming an entrepreneur. And we really go deeper into some of those topics in this podcast. So if you're interested in that transition of how you move from uh, feeling a little bit trapped or feeling like you've got unfulfilled potential or desires working for somebody, and you really want to explore how you can make that jump to becoming a entrepreneur or founding your own business, whether it's a small or a big one, it's the, what's common is that fear. You know, we've all, I've been there, James was there, anybody who's made the transition from employment and steady salary to no employment and no salary knows the fear, the uncertainty and all those sorts of things. So we get into that in this podcast. So make sure you stick around until the end. We also get into some of the rituals and habits that James has built up over the years. Um, And he's a very smart bloke, a very smart businessman. And um, I think you'll get a lot of value out of this conversation with James. So enjoy the show. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm here with my friend, James Shramko. Welcome, James. Hey, Jiro. Good to catch up again. Yeah. So, James, I've been meaning to get you on the show for a while, ever since we had that time in the Maldives where we were trading awesome waves and living aboard a, a luxury boat. And uh, yeah, I've been meaning to, to catch up with you on the podcast and talk all things from surfing to business to habits and all those sorts of stuff. So um, I enjoy it too. Yeah. What did, you, uh, what did you get out of that surf trip? Well, one of the main highlights for me was learning how to breathe, which sounds crazy because you'd think by our, my age in, the, in my 40s, you know how to breathe, but evidently we don't. That's been helpful ever since. It's like when you learn a life skill or something important and then you can use that for the rest of your life. So I've been using that technique every time I surf and it's helped me remain calm and uh, to enjoy my surfs more and to increase my capacity to get out there on a heavier day. Yeah, That was one thing. And the other thing that I got out of it is just uh, a real recognition of what I like and I've got this idea that I want to do more of what I like. So I immediately um, rebooked the entire boat <laughs> um, for the next year yeah. just because it was very clear to me that I got a lot of enjoyment from it. I could see how good it is for people to come together and share an experience mm-hmm. and that it fits beautifully with my philosophy of business supporting my lifestyle. Nice. So this realization that you should spend your life doing more things that you like, it sounds all very obvious on one level, but was there a time in your life where you 
spent a lot of time not doing what you liked? I think most people do and I would, it felt to me like I was this slingshot being wound back and I felt the, the pressure and the tension and the drama of being pulled back and pulled back and pulled back and, and then through a series of events I was able to just let, let go and slingshot out of the shackles of employment and debt and uh, create something of my own and now I feel more like that free-flying pellet in the air just just um, you know cruising along enjoying the experience and not feeling bound uh, or wound back and I, I was driving a desk f for a good many years in a pressure cooker environment and I think this is something that people can relate to because it's what most people do and we're often living a life uh, for someone else or for assumptions that really could possibly be challenged and if challenged, uh, you know, the truth might be difficult to accept and certainly hard to act upon but it can also set you free. Mm. Yeah, somebody sent me a message the other day saying uh, on social media, Jira, this, this, this lifestyle that you talk of, this flow state stuff that you talk of, it all seems like it revolves around you having this life where you live in a beautiful place and you go surfing and you have adventures and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, what if you're stuck in a dreary old town like, like city like London and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I just thought of this word choice and uh, how often we live our lives w without really exercising that choice or that, that type of freedom. Did, did you, in, a, in, a, in your past life, feel imprisoned by something? And if so, by what? Well, things like debt remove choice. For example, it's pretty common in Australia at least to have a mortgage on your house and suddenly all of your disposable income is chewed up uh, going back to the bank for this idea that one day in the future you might own your home. And then they, of course, suggest you know, you're paying all this tax so you might want to negatively gear a property. and So you purposely go into more debt to... Um, place a, a bet that hopefully property values will increase over time. So, uh, and this is uh, the, the home debt's usually non tax deductible, so that's frustrating as well. Mm. And then, if you have a family, uh, you have kids and a dependent partner, then now you have not just you to look after, but in my case, I had six people to feed. Mm -hmm. And so, anyone who's got children who works for one employer, like gets paid by one person and who is in debt, whether it's credit card or housing debt, is going to relate to that pressure that I was talking about. And mm. It's very common and it's the, the normal way. We go to school, some people go into a trade, other people go to uh, the next level of school, like a higher level of education. Then they go and get a job and they work for someone else and they buy things which they can't afford and they go on into debt. And then it becomes harder to choose to move or to choose to travel or to change relationships because you are stuck. You, you have uh, what I like to call um, compromise. You are completely compromised. You, you can't move. It's like being in a game of Monopoly where you're circulating around the board hoping not to land on anyone's hotel because you know you're going to go down and you've, all your properties are mortgaged and you can't collect rent. You know, it's a nightmare. And then the then next thing you land on the go to jail and these things compound and that causes misery. Not even a third of Americans are happy. 
when they do those survey polls. So it's, mm. uh, it's a common situation and I did choose to educate myself. I read a lot of books. I started uh, identifying which pathways could lead me more to a, a, a situation that I'd be more responsible for my own outcomes and selling was one pathway. Selling is good because I realized that there was not an income cap and that I was more performance-based and I don't mind this idea of meritocracy where you perform better, you get better awards. It's the, sort of the opposite of communism <laughs> which a lot of companies seem to operate with, you know, like a council department of, of um, road workers might be an example where there's like 10 people and they'll all earn exactly the same money whether they work or not. It's kind of like a race to see who could do the least amount of work in that environment. But in my environment, at least by choosing selling, I developed some really good life skills because we're always selling. Even if our job's not a sales role, we are selling as humans. And then I found through that pathway, it opened up a lot more opportunities to give me more choice. With a greater income, you can start to have a little more choice and also, when, when you go into your own business and you flip the switch from employee to employer, you have abundance of choice but the paradox of that is that you suddenly can become extremely overwhelmed. There's so much choice compared to when you were told what to do in your partitioned week and now you have the world is open to you, your calendar is empty and you are able to you know, do exactly what you want when you want uh, and that's a frightening amount of freedom for someone not prepared for it. Did you find that overwhelming when you first experienced it? I had a wrong definition of what freedom meant. Uh, for me to break out of the desk and to not have a calendar and not report to anyone sort of meant, well, I'm, I'm not going to make appointments, I'm not going to um, be beholden to schedules, I'm not going to uh, have any particular routine. So I kept, I basically started sleeping in and still working the night shift because I was so ingrained in that after a couple of years of doing that on the side that that was my schedule for probably about eight years. Yeah. And uh, what I realized was that because I didn't have partition time anymore, it sort of meant that I was automatically always available and I didn't control my schedule very well. So these days I have a much stricter routine but I realize the truth is that routine sets you free by defining which parts of your calendar are open to other people and defining who comes into your email box. It means that all the other times and all the other things are available for you. It's basically de determining the on and the off times instead of making it always on or always accessible. Hmm. Yeah, so, so that idea of routine sets you free. I think that's kind of, some people find that counterintuitive. I, I, I often say discipline sets you free as well. Um, but routine, is, it's the same thing, right? Um, yeah, it'd be like brushing your teeth every year. It's a drill that you do every day, but it can avoid you winding up in a chair and having all your teeth pulled out in a few years from now. So it's a, it's a sort of an unattractive, preventative measure it's kind of unappealing to block your calendar for other people in the future. However, it automatically means you've just blocked yeah. all the other time for yourself. Mm. Can we go back to when you were working uh, for the man, when you were driving the desk? I know that you're a, a high-performing salesperson uh, working for Mercedes-Benz. And this decision to become your own boss, was it, was it a sudden thing? Was it something that you, you, you thought about over a period of many years? 
it was a scary thing and it didn't seem attractive to me because of the high level role that I was running at a, in a high salary position and I had good conditions in the very end. I was uh, a general manager. I had two company Mercedes-Benz cars that were fueled and insured and paid for. I had a phone and a laptop and I was pretty much getting the weekends off by the end and I was working close to home, like just three-minute drive. So it was good conditions and no one leaves a job like that. So that was sort of a resistance. But at the same time, I was bumping into a lot of successful clients who owned their own business and none of them were employees. I was starting to get some associations with people who were doing significantly better than I was, certainly financially. I still had a mortgage and an investment property and some geared shares. So I still had needs to make more income than the great income I was already getting. Mm-hmm. I was doing the, the uh, employee salary quotient, which is you basically spend whatever you earn. Um, <laughs> so some of the people I was hanging out with were earning $100,000 a month. And in one case, one guy was making around $100,000 a day. And that opened my eyes a lot through this process of benchmarking with other people, what's possible. And... I also had a few clients very impressed with my abilities offer me opportunities and I rejected many of them but there was one I took quite seriously and that was to go into partnership with a three motorcycle franchise business. He had three large stores, he had big brands and he offered me half his empire and I actually created a business I got advice from an accountant and a lawyer. It cost me a fortune. I really couldn't afford that extra 10 grand. And in the end, it turned out that he had also a building company and that it was cross-collateralized and it would have been too great a risk to take on the, you know, the attractive part of his business but also be attached to him in some way through the other part of the business. So I didn't pursue that opportunity but I now had this structure of a business. And around about a similar time, Another customer asked me to do some training for his team and even though I had no idea what my business would be or, or, or um, you know, <laughs> what services I'd offer or where I'd, you know, how I would market it or anything, I took on the job. I did it on a day off and I asked for permission from my boss and he said, yes, that's fine. And I delivered some sales training for a half-day workshop and when I got sent the invoice off for that, I reinvested the whole lot back into a laptop. And at that time, I was realizing that customers were coming into the showroom knowing a lot about the models that that we hadn't been told by Mercedes-Benz. They were researching it on the internet. And my parents had a travel industry uh, business, a retail store, and they were finding a lot of their customers were starting to book airfares online and just cut them out of the loop. Mm. And this was all very interesting. So I thought I should probably teach myself how to build a website. I'd heard a friend of ours, a family friend had a website and he was a webmaster and I didn't truly know what that meant. Um, we had a company website for the dealership. Um, it wasn't great and I just started teaching myself how to build a website and I just figured that that's going to be somehow to, something to do with this and I'm very glad like 11 years ago that I started down that path. Wow. Okay, so... How, I'm, I'm interested in how you made that final decision to, to go from that the, the safety and the security of the monthly paycheck to that decision where you're like, I'm cutting that off and I'm doing something new. Well, like uh, many things, you know, where, where we're at in life is a result of not just the decisions that we've made but also 
that decisions other people have made on our behalf, you know, starting with our parents deciding to have us. You know, we didn't have a say in that, but we're part of the, the uh, we're impacted by those decisions. So at about this same time, the US finance economy was collapsing with the bad home loans. And I could see this rippling across the US and it, and it worried me. I felt very vulnerable. I'm in the upper echelons of the luxury car segment and this could be a problem. I also realized I'd been able to build systems within my job and virtually make myself redundant by having everyone doing what they're supposed to be doing at mm-hmm. the right time and, and I turned the business around from a uh, very bad loss situation to a very positive profit situation and we're talking about millions of dollars on the bottom line and that, that was really my special skill. So. I was probably needed less. So I felt less needed. I felt a bit vulnerable. And I also, um, you know, I just worried that at any point this could stop. And then I'd have to go home and face my family and say, listen, I don't have a job anymore. Uh, we're going to have to sell the house. We don't, can't afford food. I thought that was a dire situation that I wanted to avoid. And part of this comes from my own uh, upbringing where. When I was around about 18, uh, my parents did have a financial difficulty and that was because of the recession in the late 80s and that caused um, us to have to sell the family home and, and um, basically I had to go and get a job. So that was, that was a trauma that I didn't want to play out again the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't blame my parents for it. it really, they were just sucked up in everyone else's mess. And I know they're sensitive about when I talk about it, but it happened and it's real and it, and it drove me to not want to be in that situation again. So these factors all came about and then the final thing was I'd set myself a trigger point and the goal was very simple. I need to be able to replace my income. I needed my online business to match or exceed my day-to-day wage and at that point, that will be the time to step off. Right. Okay. So you set yourself a trigger point that you're the online business. So you were setting up a new business concurrent to having a salary. And when you, and when one matched the other, then that was when you were going to quit. Exactly right. And it it took me about two and a half years to do that. And the first 2.3 years were very slow. The last part accelerated really quickly. In fact, about six weeks before I quit, uh, I was able to double my income online just through very simple strategies that um, I now help other business owners with by by um, ticking little boxes that are sitting there dormant right under your nose. Any business in motion probably has a number of windfalls that they could activate um, and that's what I did for my own business. I just started to really um, leapfrog it by not just optimizing but by really innovating Mm, wow. Okay. So those two years with the overlapping with the two roles, what was what was that like? Working working a full time job and then setting up your business in the background and learning all this new stuff. Was it exciting, challenging, bit of both? I probably looked like Gary Vaynerchuk. I had black eye <laughs> sockets, lack of sleep, and a detachment from my family. So it was very very difficult, and I probably would have killed myself if I kept going that way. I was, it was unhealthy. It mm. was um, hard. I don't think many people will ever work as hard as I did in that, that 
especially that last year. But I could see that it was going to be possible. I just believed that it was and I pursued it, remembering that after it's all done, you have to actually, you know, recalibrate. And it took me a while to do that. Probably took me another six years after that to finally get to a, a, the point I'm at now, which is the, the, the best position I've been in my entire life in terms of the balance of work and and play and fun and yeah. health. Yeah. But it was it was a difficult period. Um, I've had a few clients express it to me in different ways. But the, my two favorite ways are um, one was a very, very wealthy property developer and he owns most of the residential tower blocks in a whole suburb of Sydney and he started with nothing and he said, you've got to eat beans. There's just this phase where you're going to eat from eat beans from a can and go without <laughs> and suffer. Yeah. And... Uh, another client said to me, look, you're going to have to crawl over broken glass. Uh, <laughs> and he said, don't worry about it. You know, you heal, you'll heal, your cuts will heal, but most people won't be prepared to do it. Um, if you read other books, they'll talk about doing things that other people won't. And I remember one other client told me about what am I prepared to sacrifice? You know, and they were... They were um, uh, from an Arab type nation and I still remember the accent what are you prepared to sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know all of these things are true you, you, you're really going to have to pay the price so a lot of getting to the, the point that you want to in life revolves around um, knowing that there is going to be a price to pay and deciding if you're willing to pay it and I think a lot of people are pussyfooting around on the edges and they're scared to, to get into it and they won't get the results. Simply, it's simply a matter of that. And then there's other people who get so obsessed with it and, and so involved with it that they're the other extreme. They would, would be um, classic workaholics. Um, they tend to destroy things around them, whether it's people or, uh, or businesses or, um, you know, some people probably throw away their entire life just because of a you know mental illness of some kind where they can't disengage or or realize what's going on mm. yeah when i think about the the entrepreneurial community there seems to be a a, a bit of a, a a misconception or there seems to be this kind of like idea when you're not an entrepreneur that this is going to be the pathway to freedom and loads of time off to go surfing with your mates when everyone else is working and all that sort of thing. And then you have like the reality um, of what actually happens in those, certainly in those first few years, maybe longer, um, of just like 80-hour weeks and continual overload, overwhelm of endless choices and learning about things you have zero knowledge about. Um, and everything's an uphill battle. And um, do you feel like that is a necessary path to get to the promised land? I think, well, certainly the path I took, I you know, read a couple of thousand books and I've probably written by hand more notes and forgotten notes than yeah. a lot of people will ever write. Uh, when, I, when I find my 10-year-old files, I'm like blown away with the amount of content I consumed and, and extracted and re, rewrote and, and the ideas that, are, that I know now that are just habit were installed there many, many years ago, decades really. I think there's certain pathways. I mean, this morning after breakfast, I had a, a call with a client who pays me tens of thousands per year to help them make good decisions. So there's no reason they would have to go through what I went through 
to arrive at my knowledge point, they can simply just hire me. So I think that there, there are ways to get about it. I've certainly engaged the help of a surfing coach a few times just to get me in the right direction to mm-hmm. save me floundering around and doing it the slow, difficult way. So there are pathways, mm-hmm. there are templates, there are frameworks. However, I think that there is this immersive all-in state that most people will have to go through to be any kind of a master. There's, there's plenty of actors who can parrot and copy and get somewhere close to the, the zone, but they'll never truly be a master and they'll never be really unique or, or special in any way because they're just... Um, you know, they're just doing the bare minimum stuff. Mm. But I, I do think uh, people tend to do too many of the wrong things. A lot of people have really bad habits that will yeah. prevent them from being successful. Yeah, and I, I, if you can curb those, it will shorten your path. And there's certainly anyone in my community, I would hope, is going to have a much more direct path to get to a good result than the way I went because I I made so many missteps and touch so many hot plates in the kitchen to find out which ones work yeah. or not uh, and, and no one needs to go through that level of pain and suffering. However, their, their own journey will still be uh, intoxicating and, and involved in some way but they won't have to burn the same energy on the same things. It will probably be other things. Do you find that uh, when, you have, when you coach people through this process of basically avoiding some of the pitfalls that you couldn't avoid and uh, learning some of the pathways and templates that you've developed to be successful in a, in a less painful manner. Do you find that sometimes people just have to fall in those holes <laughs> and have to experience it? I probably was a bit like that. There's, there's some stubborn people out there who... Uh, there's a few different reasons for that. One is there's the creative artistic type who just wants to have their own stamp on everything and refuse to do it the boring established way that so that you know that might be one type there'll be others who are just dogmatically stubborn and and just like that stoic approach and and actually it's i've got a friend like this he's a landscape gardener and he loves getting out in the garden with a shovel and a pick and and doing the hard work he just loves rolling up the sleeves and getting his hands dirty and you know doing some hard work see i don't like that so much. I've done those jobs, but I don't wish to seek them out anymore. So people are different and it's so unique. And I think that's also one of the other issues. There's plenty of uh, so-called step-by-step, follow the, you know, paint the dot type systems for success out there. But I really think that's a bit hopeful because of Mm. the unique factor that every single person brings to the table, every single business, every single audience, even the most successful businesses are in a constant state of innovate or die. Mm. The the one thing that's worth mastering is the ability to change, to deal with change. Um, the, The scary part for some people though is that they get addicted to change for the sake of change or even for the rebellious rebuttal of the norm so they'll they'll just change um, just to, to make a point, but often they get, they just keep going around in circles. Mm. So what would you say to that guy who is, or that girl who is basically stuck in that job in that nine to five, they've got the mortgage, um, they're paying off the debt. Um, they've got this fantastic idea. Um, they, they're working in there, you know, from seven o'clock at night till midnight on this idea. 
and they they're just they're just waiting for the next impetus the next piece of momentum that's going to push them or give them the confidence to just cut loose from the ties uh, and from the security what what sort of advice would you give them i think the thing that get, gives the confidence is the thing that will save them and that is focusing most of the energy on crafting your offer that converts and by that i mean coming up with something appealing that people are happy to pay you for all the rest is just noise at this point as soon as you can find something that converts then you can start scaling that direct all of your energy towards scaling that and then that will fund all the things you need it'll fund support it'll fund the software systems it'll fund the website it will help you pay down your debt to the level where you can cut free from the employment situation. If more people focused on their offer, then we'd have a lot less failure rate. The reason people fail is that they're nowhere near an offer. They're not even close to putting an offer out there to the market. They're worried about what font or colors or header is going to be on their website or how wide it is, how, you know, how many columns or... Um, you know, everything except for the only thing that matters, which is what will people pay you for? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's good advice. That's advice you gave me a few months ago, um, Yeah, which really hit home. I remember spending a good six hours on deciding what button and what sort of rounded corners to have <laughs> on all, a button. We all do it. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's fun. It's a good distraction from the hard work. It's creative and it, it, you know, it's fine to do that as long as you don't call that work. Being busy is very different from, from work um, and I think we all crave entertainment and, and um, we, we want to be stimulated and we want to save ourselves from boredom. These are all very strong drivers and marketers know this. That's why we, we love videos and we like the idea that, that things could be new and different and amazing, especially if we don't have to do any work. That's very exciting. Mm. Uh, you only have to look at a lottery lineup and there's a big payout to see how many people are playing the hope system mm-hmm. where they really have this expectation that they could somehow be a beneficiary without any effort. It's, it's very remote that that's going to happen. But the best way to guarantee that it can happen is to take charge be fully responsible for your outcomes. Um, do the things that need doing. And the, and the hard part really is developing that, that offer that people will pay you for. And if you're struggling with that, you can consider starting as an affiliate where you could at least use someone else's offer that converts. And that's what I did. And that was my easy way into building confidence, was riding off the back of someone else's great product and then building my own customers and having the confidence to communicate with them and then helping them solve their problems uh, in new ways. And then by that time, I started getting a good reputation for being able to help and that's how I got some corporate clients and then I had this genius idea to put them on to recurring instead of one-time payments and that was the, the key to quitting my job. So what was your area of expertise right in the, right in the early days? Like when you, your, your first offer, what was that? Well, I really had nothing when I started and my main offer that I could bring to market was I was a guy who thought I should probably learn how to build a website and I tried to do it and found it very difficult and I tried, uh, tried a few different ways to do it. I tried the easy to build website software programs but 
what I discovered is that they're pretty limited in what you can do and they certainly didn't rank well in Google. I tried the really pro-level, hardcore design agency stuff, which at the time was Dreamweaver. If I had no idea how to drive it, I might as well have been trying to run a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And then I found this uh, Goldilocks version, if you like, the one in the middle. It was kind of easy to use but also very effective and... and um, it was uh, a, you know, some software that you could buy once instead of any, any ongoing subscription and it gave you control to build what you want and publish it. And it also figured out a few things that you could do by combining my other learnings, which I was learning about search engine optimization and I was learning about sales copywriting. By combining that with the website software, I found that I could build a website that could actually rank quite well in Google, which evidently was an important thing to be able to do. And then I could construct words on the page that help people you know, want to give me their email address or to try the software for themselves. And when they purchased that software, I was able to collect a commission. So in effect, I was just like when I was a salesperson in the car dealership selling Mercedes-Benz, except now I'm a salesperson on the internet selling software. And that meant I had a pretty broad market that I could approach. And I taught myself all the basics of keyword research and article marketing, running paid ads, um, sales copy, opt-ins, how to make videos and put them on the internet and and audio. All this stuff was pretty hard to do back then. I I built my own websites, did all my own design, wrote all my copy. I did every single piece of the puzzle. These days, I've created services so that none of my customers have to do any of that. They could have their own website live on the internet within a day or two and that means – guess what? You don't have to spend a year and a half dicking around trying to learn how to build a website anymore. We've removed that excuse. You're back Mm. to the offer. Mm -hmm. So if they can find something that is appealing to people that they would would pay them for, it gets them closer to the market. Some people bring a skill to the table. Other people would think they've got no skills at all. So you just go and find someone with skills and you pair up with them or or partner on a product that's already selling and, and just become an affiliate for that. And I still make affiliate income by recommending products and services that I believe in, that, that I use in my own business, that have helped me grow my business. And, and that's still a significant revenue stream as a little side thing. Mm, interesting. So it seems like in the last few years, in those early days, James, there was, a, there was a lot of graft and a lot of struggle. And that, you know, we've agreed is part of the process often. And it probably is the path to mastery is to go through some of that pain. Um, and, but it, when, I look at, when I think about your lifestyle now, James, it seems to involve a hell of a lot of freedom and doing what you want when you want to do it. Um, obviously, there is uh, ritual and routine and discipline there. Um, but it seems like you've moved into a completely different zone in terms of work-life balance. Is, is that right? Exactly. In, in, in a metaphor sense, I basically built myself a car taught myself how to drive and then I've got it up to freeway speed and now I can stick cruise control on and I only need a minimum amount of attention just to keep steering straight and you know over time I think I can even install some robot guidance to drive itself. I've almost built myself a self-driving car Mm. and that's that's a more established business with a you know with actual people and systems in place over time you can get to that it's like having this huge flywheel spinning 
and it's got this momentum that will continue to drive it for a while. So you can build that type of machine, but you just have to be realistic that it won't be done in a day or a week or a month. It's going to take a little bit of time. Mm, absolutely. So what were the fundamental lessons that you learned to get from A to B? The main things you want are a good business model. So I tend to look for things that have re- recurring subscription as their f- sort of fundamental structure. That means I don't need to go and get customers all the time. I just have to keep the ones that I've got. And if I look after them, then they stick around. The other elements are I need some way to drive traffic into the machine and I look for leverage there. So I like podcasts because a podcast means that I can record something once and then it can be listened to over and over again by lots and lots of people. You know, a thousand or two thousand people per day will listen to my podcast. And that's pretty cool. Even if I'm out surfing, they can still listen to my podcast. So by combining a uh, good traffic mechanism at the front, having a good business model, um, then you just need to have good solutions, you know, whatever you're selling. So in my case, it's a combination of three different types of income. There's the coaching type of income, which does require me to turn up um, and it's, you know, the least saleable, um, hardest for people to compete with type product because it's me and it's, it's personal. The other type is the affiliate income, which is uh, really just automated and uh, sits there and works all by itself. And then the, the other one is the service-based type income, which means that I've built up a service. I've found people who I can hire to supply the service and then it, it sort of looks after itself with some good management. So that's, that's basically the machine that I've built and I think that it's a good foundation for many other people, which is why I teach that sort of business model predominantly. And I've seen lots of experts reconfigure all of their assets into a better system and they find they're able to step back from their business a little bit, that it can actually make more money, that their customers can be happier and, they, and it reduces their uh, pressure levels and mm. their, their, you know, the, the pace they need to, to be running on that rat treadmill. Awesome. So James, like when, when we went on this surf trip, you were the frothiest of the frothing surfers that we had there. You were like... A, a, a man-child who's uh, basically found this, this way of having fun, expressing yourself. But, but you tell me, what, what is it about surfing that has captured you? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's incredibly challenging. I've, I've really enjoyed going through beginner's mind with something new. Mm-hmm. So there's my variety. Because I've done a lot and achieved a lot and seen a lot in business, it can sort of get mundane. So it's, it's great to have something exciting and interesting that I can look forward to every day. It's always changing. The canvas is always messed up. Every time I go to sleep and wake up in the morning, <laughs> it's a different canvas to work on. It's never, ever the same. It can be similar, but I've never seen the exact same conditions. So it's, it's thrilling and, and challenging. It's, it's exciting to think that you can harness the energy from a wave that's traveled thousands of kilometers across the ocean mm-hmm. and then it just arrives here and you're just <laughs> engaging with it. Yeah. And you don't ride waves. They let you ride them yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very soulful interacting with, with turtles and, and dolphins and 
you know, even jellyfish can teach you a lesson, I suppose. <laughs> Which um, one? <laughs> oh, blue bottles. You know, I'd react terribly to them, but I've learned to deal with them. Now I got bitten yesterday and I'm fine with it. I've got a, a standard operating procedure to help me overcome them. Whereas in, before they just incite terror and you know sustained injuries. So uh, I think it's it just it just makes you a little bit uh, makes you a little bit better human for some reason. You're doing this. It's something that you do for yourself, but you also do it with other people, and you're interacting with complete strangers, but also friends. Yeah, uh, it's it's something for your health and fitness and your mind, and it's it's meditative. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I even like, you know, I just love the, the strategy and the design and, and observing the industry and, and going from that, from being an outsider to being an insider has been a wonderful yeah. journey over the last few years where actually someone will acknowledge me as a surfer is just like crazy yeah. to think, you know, they'll, they'll take a glance at your tanned leg and see the little white part where the leg, leg <laughs> rope goes and they know you're a yeah. surfer. Yeah. You're yeah. Just everywhere in bare feet and my hair's starting to go bleached. Yeah, what's not what's not to like? You lose weight, you become fit, you uh, you look cool. I, I, the one thing that you said there about um, talking to strangers that that's something that I've been thinking about recently. Like because whenever I go surfing, I always say hello to all the people around me, and 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 once and after I've caught a wave, and you know and you you know you've got that stoked feeling inside you, you feel awesome. And I like I can't stop myself from talking to strangers sometimes. Like you know what I mean? It just overflows, and. I've been thinking about what what is that? What it's just I guess it's just enthusiasm for life and just you know. But there is a sort of connectedness that you feel with yourself and with other people around you, with nature itself. Do you do you feel that? Definitely. I, I remember this one specific wave I caught at um, a place called Beacons in California, and it's this huge, long, long wave. It's like four feet, uh, and it was beautifully shaped wave and they're sort of sort of easy to paddle into and to stay on and I took off on this beautiful wave and I, I was riding the shortest board I'd ever ridden at the time. It was like this 510 fish that I only just bought and I went down the wave, I went back up the top and then I went back down the wave and back up the top and then wrapped back around towards the foam and then back up and then down the next level and it kept going and going and going. I was like this most incredible wave and then I kicked out at the very end like I was at the beach in almost ankle depth and this guy on a stand-up paddle looked across at me and gave me like these two thumbs up and he's hooting and hollering and (laughs) celebrating my epic ride and I just I felt I just shared a moment with another (laughs) human but they actually got as much stoke as I got from that wave (laughs) and it is it's hard it's like they say you know only a surfer could really understand yeah, only a surfer knows the feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I, oh, I agree. There is t- to me, it's like when I spent a lot of time sitting in the lineup, thinking, thinking, why, why do I love this so much? Because there's people in my life who just don't understand it. Like my dad comes to watch me surfing, and he just observes a bunch of people bobbing in the ocean, and like every so often they'll just frantically start paddling and then they'll stand up and then they'll fall over and they do that over and over again and then they come back to shore with this huge smile on their face and, it's, and he just doesn't understand it. And, and so I've, I've put a lot of thought into this question of why. Why, why is it so amazing? And I, and I feel like it's like washing, it sort of washes us clean from the inside out. Like you can go well, into one, the water. One of like, the few sports that you come out cleaner than you enter. 
That's right. That's right. Like outside and inside, though, because you can go into the water feeling like troubled or with things on your mind, um, you know, the weight of the world on your shoulders. And you catch one wave and it's just been wiped from your consciousness. You kind of remember what you were stressed about before. And then you, you exit the water, you go about your day with this, with this freshness. Um, yeah. And I think that's what people really, really love about the surfing. It also, I think, just on a really basic level, it, it, it probably um, helps you with your food because you, you do get hungry and you can you know, probably eat things that you shouldn't normally eat if you <laughs> want and it's going to just be you know, consumed and gobbled up quickly by your metabolism. But also it gives you a proper sleep because you're actually tired at night. Yeah. You're not overstimulated from bright devices and, and stuff and sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. You know, which, which I did for too long. So I recognize the difference. Yeah. And it's also a great cure for um, jet lag, I find, just going in the sea or yeah. any kind of illness. You, you oh. just, it just seems to, to uh, give you that sort of massage and, and you come out satisfied. Yeah, absolutely. Hangovers as well. Any sort of illness, just, it just refreshes you. So what, talk to me, James, about some of your habits. Like what, what uh, habits would you say that you've developed over the past few years which have really enabled you to live with more freedom and, and performance in your life? Uh, well, I was going to say picking my nose but I don't actually <laughs> do that. I, I, only, I only wanted to insert it for comedic effect. Sure. Um, I, I think that the one thing that changed for me when I moved to the ocean was I wake up early and I go to bed early. For some of the reasons we mentioned, I'm naturally tired by 10-ish <laughs> and I wake up with the sun and I just, I'm frothing to go out and surf. So I've got a, a, an earlier waking habit than I used to have and I think that that's way better for me. We often think we're a morning or a night person and I think we're probably wrong <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. I would definitely have said my peak time is between you know, 10 o'clock at night and 2 in the morning but that was really the time when the internet was fast and everyone was asleep. <laughs> And all my customers were, were offline. So I got confused with why that was the case. Probably yeah. a, a correlation causation error. Yeah. So the, the, that's good. My habit of uh, blocking Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for work, like that's the time other people can interact with me. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday is for me. I don't, I don't do things with other people on those days. They're my days. Mm. Um, I have... I, I do some kind of entertainment or fun thing every day, whether it's watching a movie or a Netflix series or playing a game. Yeah. I, I think that that's fine. I do it without any guilt. I yeah. think it's really good to learn storytelling and to, to be exposed to other people's worlds and different genres and to make you think. So I think it's a great habit. In fact, some of the most successful people I know, Dean Jackson comes to mind. Uh, watches movies all the time. In fact, when he stays here, that's what, what we do pretty much every day. <laughs> we'll go watch a movie and talk. <laughs> um, I go out of the house every day and I do probably six or 7,000 steps a day aside from my surfing. Yeah. So I'm active. I'm a lot more active now than I was and I'm a good 18 kilos lighter than when I was driving my desk. Oh, really? Wow. Significantly healthier. Chunk. My fitness is way better. My strength is way better than it was it's probably yeah. since I was in my early 20s. And uh, my mental acuity is at an all-time high. I have unbelievable concentration and processing ability 
because I've let go of all the useless stuff and I've got a lot of ingrained or installed modules in my head from seeing lots and lots of case studies. Like every single week, I'm simultaneously running multiple businesses in my head. I've got somewhere around 30 high-level customers who I speak to every week about yeah. their business. So I'm running their business in my head as well as my business. And then I've got hundreds of other community members who are asking questions. And as daily habit is I answer questions every day. When mm. It's so true. When you teach, you learn. Yeah. And I have literally posted uh, tens of thousands of posts in forums in the last 10 years, probably 100,000 maybe. And I've learned so much by answering people's questions because it makes me think, it mm. makes me clarify, it makes me put forward my argument with, with a factual basis. It helps me decide if I want to change my position on something. Mm -hmm. uh, I often go on research to be able to answer something or I look up something I did before or I, someone will ask me something where I might not know the answer yet but I'll go and check stats and then I'll be able to come back and give some facts but I've learned that through that process. I've learned something as well. Mm. I think that's a good habit is to help other people. That's a wonderful habit. Do you have, is that something that's come to you in the last few years or have you always felt that? I think I've helped people uh, the entire time. In fact, one, one boss several years ago said my main fault was that I care too much. And I probably picked this up from my family, especially my mother who's worked for charitable organizations since she was about six years old and still does to this day. So she's very service-oriented and I, I was always very service-oriented. Mm. That's awesome, helping people every day. Well, mate, you do seem like a very helpful bloke and you've certainly helped me and uh, a few of my mates as well. Um, and thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, it's been great to learn more about your path to, to where you are right now and, and how you've really developed a life of, of balance and performance in, in multiple areas. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to, to uh, many more years of surfing together. Me too and I hope that, uh, that the main point from this podcast is that it really is possible. It may not come quickly or easily. However, I hope that this serves as some kind of a benchmark for, for wherever you're at, whether you're in the, under the most pressure ever, totally overwhelmed and in piles of debt or whether you're halfway there, uh, that, that there are ways to do it that there is support out there and that um, if more people were to experience the type of lifestyles that I live and I think you do too, Jiro, mm. so I think that they would feel that it's worth the sacrifice for that, the short period where they have to do some unpalatable things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Short-term pain, long-term gain. And it's yep. all part of the journey and it's very satisfying when you get there. Well, it sounds to be listening to your story, James. Thanks so much, mate. And uh, let's catch up soon for that surf. It, it would be right now uh, if there wasn't a shark alarm. <laughs> oh, first of all, before we go, so, so I'll put notes, uh, but just tell everybody where they can learn more about your services and your coaching. Uh, just head over to superfastbusiness.com. Got a blog there and some free courses and some podcast episodes. I'd be happy to interact. There you go, guys. A conversation with James Shramko, the founder of Superfast Business. What you'll notice in that conversation is how analytical and structured James is. I think this really defines his personality, his, 
his use and benefits that he's gained in his life from having templates and frameworks for almost everything. I think he's got a standard operating procedure for dealing with getting stung by a jellyfish. Um, and I think that really sums up um, one of the secrets to his success in life is really creating that sort of structure. One of the other things I found interesting from that chat is the idea of a trigger point. If you're working in a, in a position and job that you really have plans to move out of and you have these dreams to set up your own business or launch a new project, then the idea of creating a trigger point, what, at what point will you make the jump? And for James, it was at that point where his income matched or exceeded that of the salary that he was on. Um, I remember when I made my trigger point, um, I wanted to make sure that I had a six-month buffer um, that I could get by and not worry about having an income. And once I gained that, that was my trigger point to get out and launch Flow State. Um, so, guys, um, I just wanted to let you know if you're an entrepreneur, if you are a founder of a business, then please check out the flowstateacademy.com. This is a new project, a membership mastermind group coaching uh, system and community that I've got up and running very recently. And I'm very excited about it. It's really going to be a potent combination of community support, peak performance coaching combined with adventure experiences. It's, it's my experience in life that adventure and challenge and traveling has taught me more than anything in life. And when you combine that with the mastermind effect of having like-minded people all together, always shared goals and shared visions and shared interests, supporting you on your journey to set up your business, and then you throw into the mix peak performance coaching, flow states, meditation, mindset training, that's a pretty potent combination. And so I'm putting the invite out there for entrepreneurs who really want to live with purpose. So this is for conscious entrepreneurs who want to do more than make millions of dollars. They want to live with balance and authenticity. So if that sounds like you, if you know someone who that sounds like, then please direct them to theflowstateacademy.com where you'll see a whole lot more details. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.